If you're gonna play in Texas, you gotta have a fiddle in the band. That lead guitar is hot, but not for Louisiana man. So raw's enough that both are faded love and let's all dance. If you're gonna play in Texas, you gotta have a fiddle in the band. Davis, to step up in the pocket, gonna heave it for the end zone, and it is caught! It's caught! It's a touchdown, Whitley! Going to throw. Throws back. He's on the All right, y'all, I'm going to bring it in for the Hubbard-Dawson game. This is the Battle of Highway 31, and it's also Hubbard's homecoming this year. This year, Hubbard has come roaring out of the gates, especially with a statement win where they were a 35-point underdog against Waco Riker, who's a much bigger private school. The Jags have started out 3-0 before falling to a tough Valley Mills team last week. From some of the insight that I got, Hubbard had a few guys that, are, that were out that were kind of nicked up. Offensively this year, Hubbard's been super explosive. They've averaged over 35 points per game, and they really look to get the ball to their playmakers, Kendon Johnson and Shelby Nopenny. The Jags really like to establish yourself by running the football, and that really helps them set up the play action game and get it downfield to a couple other other playmakers. Jordy, I don't know if you've seen a ton of film on Hubbard, but offensively, what are some of the things that you've seen from him? Well, one thing that I noticed for sure was Number four, their quarterback, the lefty. Yeah. There was a huge drop off and just a whole, and not just in production, but just, you know, the whole vibe of the offense, everything changed from the Moody game to the Valley Mills film, just from him not being in there. I know there was probably other guys missing, but I mean, that was just obviously, that's the first thing you notice when you turn on the film. Yeah. I mean, so number four is elite. I mean, he, he's, especially at the two way level, that is a dude. Yeah, so a little bit about number four. His name's Kendon Johnson. Like you said, there was a drop-off. They had the running back playing quarterback last week, who's Shelby Nopenny, and he usually plays running back. So in Kendon's game before the Valley Mills one where he didn't play, they played Moody, and he rushed for 265 yards on 11 carries and had five touchdowns. That was a little bit over 24 yards a carry. Also, you got to be careful when you're looking at Kendon because he can throw it a little bit. Um, they have a playmaker on the outside, number two, Kevin Whitworth. And if he gets the ball in open space, he's a he's a four five guy and he's about six three, one ninety-five, and he'll take it to the house. So you really have to watch out for that one. When we talk about the Jags run game, you can't leave out number three, Shelby Nopenny. Nopenny takes over this year as the Jags running back. And if you thought the Jags only had one guy who has home run ability, and I'm not talking about baseball, as Nopenny was the 1A player of the year for the state last year. You're wrong. I don't have all of Nopenny's stats, but through three games, Shelby was averaging 150 yards and two touchdowns per game. So he has big play threat ability as well. And one of the things I see is Shelby's really good about getting the edge. And when he gets around the edge, it's off to the races. It's really cool because I used to coach him and, you know, we always knew he was going to be good, but I didn't realize he was going to have this speed. And when I would talk to the coaches that, you know, are still there that I that I know, they're like, man, he's just getting a lot faster every year and every year. And it really shows in the film this year. So defensively, the Jags are very sound and are able to force timely turnovers. When you're looking at this Jagger defense, and yes, we do say Jagger in Hubbard, Texas, 
When you look at this Jagger defense, it all starts with number 14, MJ Ryman. Ryman's a junior and he's the heart of this defense. I don't have a ton of stats for the Jags on defense, but Ryman has a nose for the ball and seems to be in on every play. When we had Coach Grimm on a couple of weeks ago, he really talked about how Ryman helps get everybody lined up and in the right spots. And that helps the Jags defense as he's like another coach on the field. Another guy I want to talk about for the Jags defense is number two cornerback Kevin Whitworth. And I talked a little bit about him on offense, but Whitworth is a great athlete standing at 6'3", 175. He runs around a 4'5", 40, and he really locks down one side of the field with his athleticism. In turn, I feel like that helps the safeties out and it lets them stay in position. Yeah, so what I've noticed with him is that he's often, you know, they're not going at him, but he's still in the play every time, if that makes sense. He's flying to the ball. He's not just a guy sitting over there when the ball doesn't come to him. Oh, they're going to get him. He's still using his athleticism to get either across the field to the middle field, wherever he needs to go to put a helmet on somebody and make sure that guy gets to the ground. And he was one of the guys that I really noticed. He kind of popped off the defensive film for me. Yeah, 100%. And just he's he's a very physical guy. He's, you know, like I said, he stands at 6'3", 175. Anytime you see like a – anytime you see a guy like that in 2A football, and especially with the speed that he has, it's really, you know, it's a really imposing presence on that defense. It's, you know, like you said, they don't go at him necessarily, but he gets in on a lot of plays just because he is so physical. So let's move over to Dawson. Dawson has struggled coming out of the gates, but I wouldn't let that fool you so much. They've been in some really tight games against some tough competition, and they just haven't really been able to get over the hump. When you look at Dawson, overall, they have a lot of athleticism on the field. Offensively, they're going to look to spread you out, and the quarterback, Isaiah Johnson, is very physically imposing. He's 6'4", 175, and whether it's running or throwing the football, he really makes that Dawson offense go. I know in the start of the year and last year, they ran a lot of triple option and stuff like that. So there's been some growing pains. And now that they're running the spread. Also, when you look at Dawson, you have to you have to look at number five, Kate Onstott. They just kind of move him around in space and try to get him the ball in space. Jordy, you know, I don't know what you saw from them on film. What are some of the things that stuck out to you? So some things that stuck out to me is number one is, Number three was open quite often. I don't know where he stands on their totem pole of wide receivers. And number two, Elijah Allen, he's listed as a sophomore, 5'6", 115. That dude, I know I know he's a sophomore, but I can tell you right now he's going to be a problem for years to come. Extremely shifty. And he's I don't know how fast he is for – like I don't know exactly how fast he is, but I can tell you he's fast enough to do damage, and his shiftiness is really very is – going, is going to be a problem. So – one thing I noticed is just, you know, they're, they're big up front, not necessarily athletic up front, and they do enough to get Johnson space, and he gets it to his playmakers. And when he doesn't, it's still a big deal. I mean, his legs are just – he's not – don't get me wrong, he's not bad with his arm, but his legs are so dangerous in the quarterback run game that yeah. I, I, I would say that he is a better runner than a passer, but that's not because he's a bad passer. Right. No, I, I agree 100%. I'm interested in the Ryman matchup, the Hubbard linebacker. He had about 120 tackles last year. And so I'm interested to see if they kind of, you know, spy the Johnson kid with him and, you know, have him follow around the field just so that he doesn't have the opportunity to get loose. Or, you know, if he does kind of get loose, at least they have a body on him to kind of slow him down and let let the other Jags get over there 
to uh, make a tackle on him. Yeah, Jordy, so getting into the keys of the game for the Battle of Highway 31, which team can limit the explosive plays? Both teams have guys that are capable of ripping off a long run and housing one each time they touch the ball. And looking at some of the limited footage that we have on film, I've seen both teams have a 60, 70-yard run in multiple games. So whichever team limits those plays will have an edge in this game. Also, this is a huge rivalry game. These towns are separated by seven miles, and all of these kids have grown up their whole lives playing each other in every single sport. When it comes to a rivalry game, I'm throwing the records out the window, especially in the Battle of Highway 31. Jordy, what are some of your keys to the game? Yeah, so my biggest key to the game after turning on the film is, you know, you see all these playmakers over on the Dawson side. You got the quarterback, number 11. You got number five. You got number three. You got all these guys on there that are just playmakers. And, you know, part of the thing you said was who can limit the big plays. My thing is to limit those big plays, you've got to make the tackles on guys like these that are athletes. And one thing I noticed with Hubbard that they struggled with a little bit is tackling in space. They're, they're busting through the line. They're flying to the ball. They're super fast, but they're not necessarily – and they're coming with a vengeance when they get there. They're just not necessarily wrapping up. or When they get there, they're not fundamentally sound enough to get these guys to the ground sometimes. And, you know, that's going to that's gonna play a big role into the game. So my key is open field tackling for Hubbard and, and you know, getting your players in space for Dawson. Get, get your, take advantage of the fact that Hubbard may or may not – be as talented in the tackling department. So if you get your playmakers in space and force them to try to tackle you in space, it could be a long night for the Hubbard defense. So give me the tackling in space and players in space as my keys to the game. Yeah, definitely. And a little bit segue off that. I mean, it could go vice versa. You know, Hubbard has their playmakers, number four, number three, and those guys are speedsters. And so if they get in space, it's going to – I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. I really do. I think it's going to be a, a shootout. And so I'm always, I'm always, always love to see a good shootout. And I can't wait to be there, especially with it being homecoming and this this rivalry. I go to it every year. Yeah. So the whole reason I went with those keys to the game is because Hubbard is going to get theirs. There's no doubt about it. The game's going to be won while the Hubbard defense is on the field and the Dawson offense is on the field going head to head. Whoever gets more, whoever has a more successful night out of that matchup will be probably the winner at the end of the night. I agree. I agree. Hey y'all, we're welcome in by coach Roger Masters, the head coach and athletic director of the Hubbard Jaggers. Jordy, you want to start us off with a question? Yeah. So, Coach, first of all, thank you for joining us and fitting us into your busy schedule. But And I understand that you haven't been in Hubbard too long, but for our listeners that aren't from the area, can you kind of describe the type of community and people over there in Hubbard? Yeah, no, I haven't been here really long at all. And Hubbard was my first head coaching job, but I'm just now starting my second year. Uh, but when you say kind of the community of Hubbard, uh, and it's been just a blessing for for me and my family. Uh, I've got a I've got a daughter who's in sixth grade, and I've got a son who's in kindergarten. And just we wanted to come to a place where you know the whole family would be uh, would be welcomed with open arms. And you know we wanted 
and honestly, I wanted to come to a place that really cared about athletics and sports and football in general. And, and Hubbard has, has been all of that. And, and they want to be that. So. And then that kind of leads me to the second one about, you know, just being there only two seasons. When On this show, we often talk about culture and the methods that coaches use to lead their new programs through a positive change of culture. When you took over at Hubbard, what, how, what did your implementation of culture look like? maybe some of the teachings or methods that you, you and your staff practice to put your stamp on the program? Yeah, I've been, I've been really, really lucky in my coaching career. This is the start of my 18th year, and uh, I've been to some great places. I started off at a small school, 1A school, Iowa. Uh, I was there for five years where I met my wife, and from there I went to Temple, and I got to coach under legendary coach Bob McQueen and then uh, Mike Spradlin, who had just come off, off of uh, Art Browse's staff at U of H. Uh, then from Tempo, I went to Brownwood and Princeton, and I've been to just some great, great places, and culture's always been a, a big deal. Uh, and so what I've kind of done is I've taken all the different aspects of being, you know, Temple Wildcat or Brownwood Lion and brought it here to Hubbard. You know, you think of two of the most historically, traditionally great schools, you think of Temple and Brownwood. Uh, and that's what I've tried to bring here. And the, the first thing we implemented was a, a toughness in the weight room. You know, we didn't even talk about you know, leadership, or, and we just wanted kids to work hard here. Um, you know, coming to a small school, I covered as well, you kind of get worried about what kind of assistant coaches you're going to have, because I've been to some places where, you know, it might be only three or four uh, guys that, you know, you just don't know about them. I was extremely blessed. The good Lord blessed me uh, when I got here and Jordan Grimm uh, was here. I mean, he's been my right-hand man from, from, from day one. So he joined on board with what we were doing real quick. And uh, that's been extremely helpful. But we started in the weight room. We started lifting five days a week. And once we got that, that hard work mentality going, we really started bringing in uh, the, the, the we before me aspect. You know, this is, this is a team sport. Take away the selfishness. Uh, bring, bring, you know, we say all the time, if you play for somebody else, you tend to play harder. And so that's that we're trying to bring in the family, the we before me. And that's really, really where we've hit hard this last really coming into year two. Yeah, definitely, Coach. Um, kind of leading me into my question, you know, y'all have a huge rivalry game with Dawson this week and combine that with the fact that it's homecoming. What are some of the things that you're preaching this week to make sure your guys stay within themselves and not trying to do too much out there on the field, just playing their game? Yeah, that's – that's one of the, the, the fun things to do, too, when you're the head coach. You kind of get to pick those uh, homecoming games and who you want to play. Oh, yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah. I, I learned real, real quick uh, that Dawson was going to – is a rivalry game. I said, shoot, why not? Let's make this – let's make this the uh, the homecoming game. Uh, you know, last year we were both undefeated and we went into the game with them and they just – they kicked our teeth in. They were, they were so good. And I said, we owe them a little bit of payback. Oh, but yeah. Really, really this week we've, we've talked a lot about, you know – we're not playing for anybody but the, the city of Hubbard. We're, we're playing for each other. We're playing for the city. We're playing for the, the, the alumni. That's the best thing about a homecoming game. You know, homecoming yes, game sir. is not about us. It's not about the 2021 Hubbard Jaggers. And, you know, the seniors that graduate, then they'll come back for homecoming. It's about the guys that came before you. It's about coming. It's about these guys coming back and seeing the legacy that they laid you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago to make sure that we haven't ruined it and screwed it up. Uh, and you don't want to do that when you come into a, to a homecoming game. You don't want those guys that played in the 50s and 60s and 70s say, man, what's going on in Hubbard? This isn't the same Hubbard team that I said. Or we want to say, man, this is, 
this was this was us. We're, we're, we're getting there. It's, getting, it's it's better than what we left it, and that's what we hope they say. Oh yeah, yeah no so, doubt. I know. Like when I when when I come back, I have you know I'm from Hubbard, and so I have friends come back, and uh, they love coming to the games. You know, they always talk about you know their times and stuff like that. So I love to hear you know y'all's philosophy on that. But Jordy, go ahead. Yeah, Coach, so kind of without giving away your game plan, what are some things you'd like to see from your offense this week against Dawson when it's all said and done at the end of the day? What is it? What does a good performance look like for your offense? You know, honestly, if we just have more points than they do, I'm going to be happy. But uh, I'm an offensive <laughs> coordinator. I've always hated the offensive side of the ball. Then all of a sudden you get your first head coaching job and you got to care about that side of the ball as well. I mean, there's many times when – I'm the, the D.C. at Princeton or Buffalo or Brownwood, and you and the O.C. are just bannering back and forth. And uh, now all of a sudden, I've got to care about the offensive side. So that's always been a big change. You know, last year we lost that last uh, – we lost our playoff game, I mean, seven to six. I mean, and I put 100% of that on me because I focus mainly on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, myself and Coach Grimm. Coach Grimm's my defensive coordinator. He does a great job. We hang our hat on the defensive side of the ball. So this summer we spent a lot of time, or I spent a lot of time on the offense. Uh, and, you know, really for us, we, we run the ball. We want to run the ball, you know, 30 to 35 times a game. We want to milk the clock. Uh, we're, we're lucky enough to have two outstanding backs in the backfield with quarterback Kendon Johnson and running back uh, Shelby Nopene. Um, so really it's just really execution. You know, sometimes you have to tell Kendon and Shelby, not every play has to score. You know, six yards, seven yards is good. You know, let's let's run the clock out. But, you know, I just want to see good execution. You know, we, we harp on our offensive line a lot. We we know that Kenan and Shelby and Kevin Whitworth and, and Colton Bells, those are our workhorses. But we know we live and die by our offensive line. So as long as the offensive line executes and plays well, we're going to move the ball. You know, we're going to we're very, very simple. We uh, I believe in the philosophy is don't change the play, change the presentation. So we, we run a lot of different formations to try to get the defense to screw up. You know, as a defensive coordinator, I hated a lot of formations. So that's what we try to do here to the other defenses. Definitely. And I know you said, you know, the six or seven yards, but it looks like, uh, you know, six, seven yards per play. But it looks like, uh, you know, Ken, uh, Kendon and Shelby this year, though, they I don't know if they've been listening because they've had a lot of big plays. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, flipping the script on the, you know, kind of going opposite of Jordy's question. Uh, when you look at this Dawson offense, what are the biggest challenges that they're going to present to the defense? You know, really, it's, it's a lot of athleticism. You know, they, uh, they're, they're extremely athletic. Their offensive line, you know, just does just enough, kind of gets in the way just to let, you know, their, their playmakers make plays. So, mm -hmm. for us, it's going to be able just to contain those playmakers, take away the big play. You know, I think, you know, really quickly you could look at it that, you know, we – well, they might have 20, 25 plays for no yards, but two or three of those plays, they might score touchdowns. The next thing you know, you're down by two or three scores. So right. we have to eliminate the big plays. And the last two weeks, uh, that's been our biggest downfall is the big plays. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's what we – Jordy and I watched a little bit of the film, and we noticed that, you know, that's that's kind of Dawson's MO. They get, you know, a couple yards here, a couple yards there, but that quarterback, uh, he, he has the ability to take it to the house anytime. Yeah, he does. So that's that's and, our world. And, the, and and so one thing that we saw on the film was, you know, y'all are flying to the ball and y'all are in position to make plays. And sometimes the execution just hasn't been there on the tackling end. Have you talked to your defense about because that, that quarterback's a big old boy. Have y'all talked to him about maybe going low or, or certain techniques to try and get him to the ground this week? We did. You know, one thing I did when I got here 
is uh, I told Jordan, uh, Jordan Grimm, my defense coordinator, I said, hey, you have full reign of the defense. I mean, you understand it. I'm going to implement what, what we run. We run the 3-4. Uh, you know, uh, we, we base out of the cover two, uh, a quarter read kind of, kind of concept in the secondary. But I said, you plan the practices. You, it's as physical as you want it to be, and I'll support you in, in all that. And so we tackle a lot. So watching the last few games and seeing our guys, and we do, we, we preach on flying to the ball, 11 hats to the ball all the time. Seeing that, and then all of a sudden they get to the they get to the ball carry, and we're missing tackles left and right. We look like we're out of control, and that's been man, that's been a kick in the in the uh, in the gut all week long, or the last two weeks long. So we have we've preached to them uh, about the, the the idea of you know you know tackling doesn't always have to be big hits. You know we mm-hmm. talked a lot about form tackling. We talked about the proper way of tackling. Um, right. So we've preached that a lot. Tuesday's our big tackling day every week. You know we. Uh, we, we go pretty hard on our Tuesdays. Mondays are a little bit easier. Wednesdays a little bit easier. But Tuesdays we get after it. And uh, I'm lucky enough, too, to have a couple coaches on staff that can kind of run around uh, better than I can. <laughs> they, they can implement a little bit uh, more of an athlete uh, for us this week. And that's been very helpful as well. Yes, sir. So I guess that's about it. We Tobin and I each have a question that we ask all our guests. And I'll, I'll go ahead and take mine first. So I ask every coach, who is the best player you have coached or coached against in your career? Uh, so, I mean, I've got I've got some great ones. You know, when I was oh, at yeah. Temple, uh, I was uh, Lake C. Strunk and Tevin Reese from those teams. Oh yeah. Oh, oh man. I I was I was coaching linebackers then, and uh, so Lake and Tevin. Lake would always try to get on the he, – he would try to come down to the defensive side of the field all the time, and usually Coach McQueen would start yelling him, Coach McQueen or Coach Munson. You know, like get back up here at offense, and Tevin, Tevin was an unbelievable receiver for us. But he could, he could not, he could not play a lick of defense all week long. But on Friday night, we could put him out there, and he just understood and grasped the idea of playing in a playing corner. So uh, that's. But then when I was at Brownwood, you know, we we were had the big rivalry every year with Stephenville, and Jarrett Stidham was an unbelievable quarterback at Stephenville. Oh yeah, dude, he is still scoring against the Brownwood Lions. Uh, when we played them, I mean, he was one you could actually hear his ball in the air as it was as it was being thrown. And uh, wow. we played them we played them twice when I was there with with Jarrett, and uh, he he put it to the old Brownwood lines both times. So those, <laughs> are, those are just a couple. I, I've been extremely extremely lucky. Of course, I got to coach Rex McDougal at Iowa, who went out to play. He was one of the best one A players I've ever seen. He went on yep. to play at Baylor. Uh, that was in the early two thousands. But I mean, there's just a a number of number of kids for sure coach yeah and then uh my last question so what or who are some of the influences that made you decide to go into coaching you know really i'm i'm originally from belton high school um so i got the you know i played you know big you know 5a football and i had some great great coaches um but you know it was the the idea of if my coaches you know they really never cared about you know, wins and losses. They did because you get hired and fired by wins and losses. But they truly did love it when you would, when they would come back, you know, 10 years later and they would they would see me and my wife, Elisa, and my two kids, and they would tell me, hey, you'll understand one day when, when your guys come back and all of a sudden they have a family of their own, you realize that you did your job because so many kids right now don't have that positive male role model in their life. And – you know, it's they got to come to school to get it. You know, yeah. that's what I love about sports. You know, most of the kids here in Hubbard, they wouldn't come to school if it wasn't for for athletics. 
And yeah. it's my job to make sure that I make that experience uh, the, the best, the most positive one that I can. For sure, Coach. For that's sure. awesome. And it's just – that, and that's – I was going to talk to Tobin about this later, but that's just my favorite question that we ask on this show because just hearing the – you know, it, at, at some point it's just passed on down the line. You hear the positive influence that a coach had, and then his goal is to pass it on to his students mm-hmm. and players – and it's just it's just awesome to hear, and, and you always get a chance to acknowledge that sports is more than what happens on the field, especially at the high school level for these kids. And, and you know, in Hubbard, I try to have my kids with me all the time. That was a big reason to come to Hubbard is because I knew my son Brock, my daughter Reagan. You know, after school, they need to come to practice. They need to come hang out with the boys. Get, you know, carry, you know, go get Kevin Whitworth a bottle of water, Brock. You know, go hang out with with those guys. Uh, yeah, because I want those guys to see how I am with my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I want them to understand, you know, one day you're going to have a, a son or a daughter. And, right. And that's what I, I really, really like. You know, when we we talk about it all the time, we'll have like family dinners and stuff. And I want to make sure that, hey, we sit at the we sit at the dinner table when y'all come over. We sit at the dinner table when we pray. You know, a lot of kids, they don't sit at a dinner table anymore. I, right. still, I still make my two. We, we do that every time. And so they'll come over and that's what we do. But yes, just, sir. You know, I want them to be better than I am. I want them to be better, you know, a better husband, a better father than I am. And I just – we try to implement here. That's awesome, Coach, for sure. Well, hey, Coach, we appreciate you have, coming on with us. And, uh, you know, good luck against Dawson this week. All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate yep. it. You know this, we got to yes, win sir. this. Definitely. Yep. So a big shout out to Coach Masters. That man, that was one heck of an interview there, Tobes. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, it was really cool getting him on. I know he's he's been super busy this week. Hubbard has a nature trail behind the school, and they had a big cross country meet. So I know he had a lot going on with that as well. So I really do appreciate him coming on. Yeah, and and you know our questions are going to rotate every week depending on the coach that we ha- have on the show. But man, I really love these repetitive questions. The last two that we do on every show about their their inspiration to become a coach and then the former players because then you you really because then the coaches go back and give you like a a a memory trail you go down memory trail with the coaches and like you get to hear names like Lake Seastrunk Baker Mayfield and you're like man and and, and it's just Jared Stenham these guys that are on pedestals and then you're like you know at one point they were just high school kids running around playing ball too and and the coaches and every now and then they have cool stories with that and then I love absolutely love hearing every different coach's inspiration story because everyone is I different. I, my favorite. Yeah. I, I love the inspiration or, you know, what, what got them to where they are because that's so, it's so real, you know, it's so real and it, it's different for everybody. And so just hearing, you know, where they came from, why they, why they, why they're doing what they're doing and, you know, they talk about the influences from other coaches that they've had. And it just is, it's like I said, it's so real and it's so much fun to listen to and hear about the different things that got them to where they are. One of my favorite things about these interviews is we get a different coach on every week and you just can hear, and you know, you and I were a led majors. So there's a lot of things that we learned about leadership in terms and things like that. And these coaches, Mm -hmm. I highly doubt actually took these leadership classes, but they're leaders in their, in their, in their own sense. And, they all lead their programs different ways. And they all have their different stamps that they want to put on their program. 
And it's just really awesome to hear all the different ways that these different coaches are similar, but at the same time, very different and unique with their programs and how they want to run and how they want it to function. Yeah, there's there's no one right way to do anything. And I think that's the, like you said, that's the cool, cool thing is there's way different, there's different ways to lead. And from what I've seen, all of these guys, they all have similarities, but they also have differences in the way they do things. And so it's cool to see the different ways that they do stuff. And, and my favorite thing about our show, Tobin, in general, is just how open the coaches have been to just talking to us and, you know, not holding oh, yeah. anything back. They're, they're, it's an open book into their program. And, you know, we're so grateful for that. And we can't wait to see where this road takes us and all the different coaches that we're going to talk to over the next couple of years. And then at the same time, we're in follow up with the coaches and make relationships and see how their programs evolve over the years. I'm, I'm just mm -hmm. can't wait to see all of that and how it unfolds. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that surprised me is how open they are about their programs and stuff. You know, I knew we'd get some interviews and some coaches might be more open than others, but all of these guys have been so open about their programs and just so, uh, you know, they've, they've given us so much insight that it's been really cool just to, you know, to see. And uh, it's, they talk about Texas high school football being a community and it really, they really have made it feel that way. Right. So, and uh, for all of our listeners out there, if you have any suggestions on coaches or programs that you'd like us to cover, because honestly there's so many and we're going to do our best to get rep representation for all the different areas of the state. But if you have any suggestions, obviously you're one of our listeners and we want to cater to you. So let us know if you have any suggestions or people that you want to hear us get on the show. Man. Yeah, if you have something on a small town spotlight that you want to, you know, a town that you want to see us do, send us over some fun facts maybe on your town and we'll cover that and add some of the fun facts. Yeah, so it, like, to, and like Tobin just said, if you've got suggestions or fun facts for us, you can hit us up on Facebook. You can message us there, DM us on Instagram, Twitter. Or you can email us at cefh.dsm at gmail.com. That is cefh, clear eyes, full hearts, dot dsm for dash sports media at gmail.com. Make sure you go like all of our social media so you don't miss a second of all the updates. We will be at the Pasture of Pain and the Battle of Highway 31 this week. So make sure you go follow us on social media so you can keep up with the games of the week. Tobin, I'll see you Monday. Later, buddy. See ya.